Hello everyone, my name is Peter Dre and welcome to this next episode of our PwC Tax Bytes podcast. Today we will talk about the new Belgian government and more specifically about the corporate tax, direct tax announcements in the government agreement. I'm joined today by my colleagues Michael van Genechten and Matthias Bastian, and with them uh, we're going to reflect a little bit and discuss also the measures announced in the government agreement and also what the impact can be for your business. Um, indeed, end of September, after almost 500 days, seven political parties have reached an agreement on the formation of a new Belgian government. We call this the Vivaldi government. The objective is clear, relaunching Belgium. And at a time when the COVID pandemic is further spreading in Belgium, this is a very important message. Um, there is an important package of relance plan uh, on the table, um, almost 4.7 billion of euros. So very important measures to relaunch Belgium with social accents. Um, and on the corporate tax side, there are also some elements in the, in the agreement. Um, I think important is that the, the, the large reform, corporate income tax reform of 2017, uh, is not uh, going to be reviewed, revised. Uh, that is important. That was a positive reform, positive to support the Belgian economy and, and especially in these difficult times. But uh, Michael, um, what is then on the table at this moment from a corporate tax perspective? Hey, Peter, uh, quite a bunch, actually. Um, some only covering uh, one line in the coalition agreement budget. Um, firstly, it will come as no surprise that there's quite a bit of attention uh, of the government to further support Belgian companies that have been heavily impacted by the current COVID-19 pandemic and to help them recover from this crisis. Um, as such, on top of the earlier introduced carryback of tax losses, um, the government is also uh, announcing the possibility to create a kind of reconstitution reserve to protect liquidity and solvency going forward. Second important batch of corporate income tax measures relate to how all this public expenditure will be funded. Uh, and we can basically distinguish, distinguish um, measures that relate to the digital economy as well as the introduction of a minimum tax for businesses, where Belgium has um, voiced the ambition to going forward to play a constructive role and even a front runner role uh, in the international debate, so at the level of the OECD and the EU. And um, yeah, also quite a, a huge amount of revenue is expected from the continuous uh, fight against tax fraud. Uh, on the flip side, uh, the tax amnesty procedure would be terminated by the end of 2023. Okay, thank you, uh, Michael. So quite some stuff on the table indeed uh, of corporate tax measures. Um, one interesting thing I heard was the reconstitution reserve. So after all, the reconstitution reserve would, would become reality, uh, Matthias? Certainly. And welcome to our listeners also from my side. So that reconstitution reserve, well, in a nutshell, um, it is a tax system that would be a temporary corporate tax measure and that allows Belgian companies to temporarily exempt part of their taxable profit. So what does it mean? Well, it means that Belgian companies that have incurred operating losses for financial year 2020, the so-called COVID year, can create a reconstitution reserve during financial year 2021, 22 and 23. That so-called reconstitution reserve is basically a tax-free reserve 
which decreases your tax due. Well, needless to say that this measure is also applicable to Belgian branches of foreign companies and not only to Belgian companies. So a lot of companies have suffered and are currently suffering from the COVID crisis. So the Belgian government wants a quick recovery of the Belgian economy. So the purpose of the reconstitution reserve is twofold. Firstly, it is aimed at increasing the liquidity of companies. Secondly, the purpose is to strengthen the equity of the company and hence to increase its solvency. Maybe I will give a very simple example to make it more tangible. Let's say that we have a company that realized losses in financial year 2020, operating losses. Well, as a result, the company's equity decreased and its cash position weakened. Assume that in the next year, in 2021, the company is profitable again, but it is still short in cash. So instead of paying taxes on the 21 profits, the profits can be temporarily exempt. This will strengthen both the cash position of the company and also its equity, because the equity of the company will not decrease with the tax cost. And in addition, in such a case, the company does not need to make tax prepayments. So this is very important from a cash management perspective. Okay, yeah, uh, thanks for that. So indeed, in, in times when cash is so important and, and businesses are likely to suffer, not only this year, but for many years to, to recover, I think this is a very important measure uh, for all businesses that incur losses this year. Um, this is, of course, a measure that, if I remember correctly, was already discussed in quite some detail um, over the summer. Uh, does that mean that uh, all the details are already very clear uh, to us, Matthias? Well, yes and no, you're, you're fully right, Peter, so that there is a draft law that was pending already before the coalition agreement of end of September. Um, in that draft law, there were a lot of conditions mentioned. Um, it is not yet voted, but on the other hand, in the coalition agreement, it was mentioned that the purpose is that the conditions of those draft laws would be um, well finally voted. So we have more or less a view on what the conditions uh, will be. Well, in a nutshell, those conditions can be can be summarized um, as follows. So a company cannot benefit from this regime if it qualifies as a company in difficulties on 18 March 2020, or if it has shareholdings in tax havens, or if they made payments to tax havens. A company can also not benefit from the regime um, if it has distributed a dividend or another kind of reduction in equity, for example, a buyback of shares, as from 18 March 2020. Um, that last uh, condition um, that no dividend can be distributed and also conditions that uh, with regard to tax havens is also important um, with regard to other COVID support measures in terms of tax prepayments, for example, and the carryback system. Also maximum amounts, there is an overall maximum amount of 20 million euro that can be exempt. And the amount is also limited to the amount of oper operational losses incurred in 2020. It is a temporary measure. So the reconstitution reserve becomes taxable if um, dividends are distributed or if the salary cost of the company decreases significantly and ultimately upon the liquidation of the company. So my advice would be if you want to benefit 
from that reconstitution reserve and um, improve your cash um, your cash availability it is recommended to closely monitor how the final law will look like and to see whether um, you meet all the conditions okay uh, thanks matthias for explaining uh, these conditions and i think um, the conditions on uh, on yeah the the not having distributed a dividend or a buyback of shares is very important we we receive a lot of uh, questions from that from from clients and and companies that we work with um and and yeah apart from the um extension of the investment uh, um incentive for smes uh that's about it for the for the for the stimulus and for the for the positive measures but then again uh yeah tax systems are also used to collect additional taxes often and uh with the uh, budgetary challenges ahead i think this is not different uh today um, Michael, what, what kind of measures can we already see in the government agreement that will bring uh, additional uh, funding for the government? Well, firstly, Peter, there's reference to the, uh, the digital tax and the minimum tax, um, which obviously refers to the work that the OECD is currently doing on Pillar 1 and Pillar 2, as well as the EU on the digital service tax, um, digital PE, and, and even uh, CTB. Um, as you know, there's quite some, some debate internationally on the on tax morality and the fairness of our, of our global tax rules huh? in light of new digital business models that we've seen popping up over the last few decades. And, and to make sure that every company uh, pays their fair share of, of tax, uh, even in countries where they might not be physically uh, present. Um, and, and what Belgium or what the government's currently saying is that they, they fully support these initiatives. Um, that they prefer uh, that an, an international agreement uh, is reached, but if not, that they would unilaterally vote for a, um, a digital tax, basically. Um, what I found interesting is that the government already at this stage is taking a position that they do not only support it, but even want to take a front one role uh, in these discussions, in these initiatives even without having performed any impact study or, or at least not that i'm aware of um, as i would not be uh, so surprised given that belgium is quite a, a small uh, open country um, with only 11 millions of inhabitants that we would basically yeah suffer uh, in respect of tax basis from these measures and um, on the other hand it's clear that Again, as, as in previous uh, years or in previous uh, budget agreements, um, the continuous fought, fight against tax fraud remains one of the cornerstones. Um, and and yeah, we have seen in practice that there are more and more uh, tax go uh, audits uh, going on. Uh, they're becoming more severe, more uh, complex, um, not only in Belgium, but, but really this is a European uh, tendency. And... Um, yeah, before it were unilateral uh, tax audits. Now they are bilateral, sometimes multilateral, sometimes even um, an audit is taking place uh, within different legal entities of the same group at the same time. Um, and, and data is also being used more and, and more efficiently. Yeah? Data is combined and, and this will not um, yeah, change or this will, this will change, but uh, it will only become more and more um, in light of, of, of DAC 6 uh, for, for intermediaries or the, the reporting requirement for intermediaries and also DAC 7, the reporting requirement for digital platforms. 
Um, now, I, I do not believe that any one of, of us, including our listeners, has a problem with, with tackling tax fraud. On the other hand, we've seen in, 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 in tax audits that there is a problem or there's an issue that tax authorities are seeing tax fraud everywhere, even when there's no deliberate deception. And yeah, there is a clear pressure on public budget and, and enforcement of compliance is important. But on the other hand, it's also important that the relation between taxpayers and, and, and tax authorities uh, remains smooth, which is, is no longer the case anymore. Um, the government now has announced a tax charter, including a code of conduct, uh, with regard to mutual respect and professionalism between tax inspectors and taxpayers. Um, and I guess here inspiration can be sought with our neighbors from the Netherlands with their horizontal supervision, um, for which there was already a, a pilot project here in Belgium under the umbrella of the cooperative tax compliance. Okay, um, uh, thanks, Michael. Yeah, two very important topics that you touched on. Uh, on the OECD pillars, um, I want to invite everyone to follow the podcast because one of the next podcasts will go into more detail on this OECD initiative and what it will mean for European businesses uh, and beyond. I would say. Um, and secondly, yeah, the topic on, on what I would call the topic legal certainty eh, and the, the, the impact of um, yeah, fast changing tax rules in combination with indeed uh, more strict and more detailed tax audit based on uh, more detailed data and so on. That will also be a, a key challenge uh, for, for business. Um, given this, we will spend a separate podcast also on this topic, eh, on, on the, the future of legal certainty and taxation, uh, where I will invite a, a number of colleagues who are working on different areas and aspects of, of this topic. So stay tuned, I would say. Uh, before we conclude this podcast, um, Matthias, I wanted to ask you, um, there was also a mentioning about a contribution of the more wealthy people and, and the strongest shoulders, I think. Um, what was in the government agreement on that? Indeed. Uh, well, actually, not, not that much, but th there was indeed a sentence in the government agreement where that states that um, the wealthiest people, so likely those with the strongest shoulders, need to do their fair contribution. But what this in practice will mean is not fully clear at all. Uh, so it may take the form of a kind of new securities tax or another kind of wealth tax. But I think it is a very uh, sensitive um, matter in Belgium, any kind of wealth tax. And also, for example, from uh, a legal perspective, the, the previous securities tax was annulled only in 2019 by the Constitutional Court. So it's a bit wait and see what this, um, what this will bring. Okay, thanks. Yeah, indeed, not all the details are known yet. Uh, I think that's uh, that's clear from this discussion. Uh, thank you, Michael and, and Matthias, for sharing your thoughts and, and having this discussion with me. Um, I would say uh, thank you also for listening in uh, to the podcast. It's only our second podcast, so more will come. Uh, stay tuned on the different platforms and our website for the next uh, editions. Um, I want to thank you all and uh, hope to uh, hear you again and speak with you again. Bye.